Greetings and infernal blessings. And welcome to the Serpent Slayer Podcast. I am your host, Serpent Headed Mask. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about altars and ritual chambers. And this uh, episode is kind of geared towards the beginner, the novice that is maybe starting out in this path and would like to get a better understanding of altars and ritual chambers, uh, what you can use, and uh, what can your ritual chambers and altars uh, consist of. So I hope you guys can hear me okay. The uh, wind outside um, is brutal. Um, the weather that I've, we've been having and where I'm um, living has been extremely volatile and uh, a lot of flooding and a lot of people's houses have actually been destroyed. So it's been quite a couple of, uh, couple of weeks, um, especially um, after such a brutal winter that we've had. Um, with blizzards and it's been a lot of destruction going on with uh, the weather very chaotic so I hope it doesn't disturb in the background I don't know if uh, the microphone will pick it up if it does I apologize Um, so we're just going to get into this here you know altars first we'll talk about altars you know does it choose you or do you choose it And it really depends. You know, something really can stand out to you. um, Something that you find. um, Or it could be something that you utilize. um, Something that you might already have. Um, You utilize what you can afford. You know, if you can afford something elaborate and have the luxury of that, um, great. Usually can be things that you find uh, just in secondhand stores and flea markets and uh, things that people are just giving away um, online. Um, you'll be surprised what you can find in Goodwill stores and things like that and flea markets. A lot of the stuff between me and my wife, both, um, the things that we have found um, to use. Um, for our work, for altars and and whatever else, uh, we've found a lot of this stuff, um, you know, in these secondhand stores, Goodwill stores, flea markets, things that people just leave on the side of the road that are perfectly fine. You know, you go some of, to some of these neighborhoods um, that are got some money, they're throwing away perfectly good stuff that um, somebody would pay probably good money to go into a store and actually buy Um, so you can really come across um, a lot of different stuff that you can utilize you know my altar um, that I use was actually given to me by my wife and I'm not exactly sure what it is Um, I would say that maybe it was a entertainment center but it's not made out of anything cheap it's solid oak It's got cabinets on either side for storage, kind of shelving in the middle, and a huge flat top that really um, provides a lot of space um, for me to be able to do my work and to be able able to put a lot of things on it. 
So you'll be surprised on maybe some things in your home that you are not using or something that is just holding some decorations in your living room or something um, can be used as an altar and be, and be perfect for it. You know, my ancestor altar, um, again, is just another, it's kind of a bookshelf and it's just got a huge flat top on it. Um, that's where I'm recording my my podcast it's in front of me right now and it serves as a perfect ancestral altar Um, one day I might upgrade one day I might upgrade my my main altar Um, I also have um, again I don't know what you call this Uh, I guess it would be an end table kind of a thing but it's kind of an octagon uh, piece of furniture with a with a door and you could store stuff inside, you know, but I use this altar to, it's kind of placed in the middle of my ritual chamber where I use to do casting of the circles, you know, like the hermetic circle, for instance, instead of utilizing it on my altar where it takes up too much space where I'd have to take everything off and then in the middle of the ritual, take it all down and reset things up. I really don't like to do that. Um, I'll do the casting of the humetic circle there, and I can stand over it. Some people like to do things on the ground, and I don't like to have things on the ground. Um, usually between maybe sometimes my clumsiness or, you know, my robe, uh, my ritual robe. Um, and a lot of things can go wrong with things on the ground. you got to be careful. But... Um, again, this was a piece of furniture that actually came with the house when we bought it. It was down in the basement, and my wife didn't want to use it for anything. You know, she was kind of like thinking that it was ugly, and I was like, "Oh, this would be perfect for me to use," you know. Um, so, just finding random pieces that um, you might already have will be suitable. Um, for an altar you know you don't need to go out and spend all this crazy money um, to have an altar Um, if you have that luxury then absolutely you find something that you know really speaks to you then um, you know definitely um, do that you don't need to but what is the purpose of the altar purpose of the altar is where we do our work it should be an extension of you and becomes part of you Um, it wields the power that you put into it with your work it's reflective thought-provoking individualistic a place for meditation and connection and visual stimulation and aesthetics and it's personal you know it's intimate And it's where we place objects on it that represent the currents that we're trying to tap into. Um, Whichever system that you're using, you know, you put things on it that um, represent those energies and the work that you're doing. You know, that you put your candles, your holders, incense holders, images, statues, ritual tools, um, your bell. Or I use an actual singing bowl, a Tibetan bowl your offering bowls, things like this, your chalice, your athemi, um, all different other things that you might want to put on it. I got, you know, my skulls, um, 
and again, a lot of the, I'll probably do another episode just on the tools itself because there's a lot to talk about on each tool and why we use it and what it represents. Um, but a lot of the things, even like candle holders, I found in Goodwill stores and these candle holders look like they belong on this altar. Um, they actually look like old artifacts, you know, and so it really brings out the aesthetics of um, the altar. You know, that's not the main importance, but for me, I really like to have that visual stimulation. You know, I really like a lot of the aesthetic and the drama that goes into ritual work, the way you set up your altar, what it means to you, the way that you set it up and how it speaks to you and how it resonates and reflects back at you when you, when you stand before it. Um, these things, for me personally, are very powerful and they really intensify um, any work that I do. You don't need any of this stuff. You are the altar. Your mind is the temple. You can do ritual work without any of this stuff. And I'll probably get into that in a few moments um, regarding... Well, I'll get into that in a few moments. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. But... Um, we can also have more than one altar, like I explained. Um, you know, I have an ancestry altar. I explained my circle casting altar, and then my main altar. That's mostly for um, black magic, uh, Egyptian heka, Egyptian black magic. Um, sometimes I utilize the one in the room that I use to cast circle. I'll do some lesser magic on that one. You know, some people will tell you that you can't mix and match them, and in some areas you can't. Um, for instance, your ancestral altar should just be that. Um, if you're working with uh, Santa Morte, her altar should just be that. You know, I think anywhere that you research um, a Santa Morte altar, which is what my wife works with a lot, um, I've learned a lot about Santa Morte from her and her altar is her altar you don't put anything else there um, it, that's just the rule so with ancestral altars and, an alt and other altars you might want to keep them for that specific practice um, there is kind of a lot of back and forth on um, what you should do on your main altar you know I know a mentor of mine will he has a black magic altar and then he has this whole separate altar for working with Egyptian black magic and Egyptian hacker. He doesn't cross the two. Um, I can understand that. Um, maybe that someday that will be what I do if I ever come across a, another altar piece that um, looks like it would be specific for that and maybe I would change things up. I don't personally get too carried away with all the rules. You know, your your practice should be your practice. And if you're getting results, you're getting results no matter what anybody tells you. But people will kind of tell you that there are set rules. And there are for some, like I explained with the Ancestor Altar and the Santa Morte Altar. You know, those are two altars that should be just for that. Um... Let's 
see also we'll probably go into I think I touched everything I wanted to touch on altars as far as what they are for and where you could um, get them um, you can also build them yourself you know putting in your own work and your own skill into something you're putting a lot of energy and a lot of intent into that if it's something that you can create on your own um, I really support that if somebody really goes and takes the time um, you know, there's certain things that I do that I build or make from scratch and just putting in that type of intent and, you know, that type of uh, uh, will and purpose and just work ethic into it, um, I think is a, a really positive and a really, really powerful uh, thing one can do. So you can even build this from scratch. You could find wood out in the, out in the, the woods and sit with your tools and create something I mean it can really be made out of anything as long as it's as long as it's capable of um, providing you you know to your needs you know and you can expand on it all the time you know it evolves um, the way my altar looked years ago isn't the way it looks now um, sometimes I remove things sometimes I add things depending on what work I'm doing. The altar itself has stayed the same. Again, it's just kind of a piece of furniture and it's, it's really large. You know, I always think about get trying to find something else. And then when I really look at it and when I'm really working with it, I just say to myself, this is kind of perfect. You know, it's perfect for me right now. Um, you know, if I do come across something in the future, you know, maybe that will change. But for now, um, there really is no need for that. Um, but, you know, it can evolve after in time, you know. So we'll talk about ritual chambers and space. With altars and ritual chambers, things can be tricky if you don't really have the space for either. If you're living in a small studio apartment, you might not have the room for an altar you might not have an extra room for a separate space um, what you can do is you know you can dedicate a small area if you have the room and you have a place that you can kind of clear and dedicate okay that spot on this side of the room is going to be for that um, and there's a lot you can do you know, you can even, uh, to create a ritual chamber if you're just living in a studio apartment or say you're living with roommates and you really just only have your bedroom or you're living with family, um, especially if they're not receptive to what you do, um, that can be tricky too. Um, what you can do is you can always have an altar and a dedicated spot in your, say, your, your bedroom and you can put a curtain up or you can get those folding partitions and you can kind of make a ritual space with that and if it takes up too much space these things can be breaking broken down you know you can even have a I guess you can call it a portable altar something that you could set up do your work take down and put out of sight especially if you've got people that are going to come over that you really don't want seeing what you do because of any type of criticism or backlash. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of ignorance out there. Um, 
especially if friends or family are really religious, they have a very um, ignorant and a very primitive, for a lack of a, bit, of a better term, idea of what the occult is. You know, most people just think, oh, you're, you're, you're a devil worshiper, and they just label you as that. So maybe, you know, you don't want to have these people seeing some of this stuff, you know. Um, taking things down and putting things up can be extremely tedious, but, you know, if it's something that you can't leave set up all the time, um, that may be a, a course of action that you could take where you could just have something that you can break down and set up when you want to do your work. Of course, it is a a benefit to, you know, have something set up and leave it that way where you don't have to go through all that. Um, but some people don't have the space. You know, when me and my wife were first dating, um, we lived in a very small apartment and she had her altar on her side of the bed and I had my altar on my side of the bed and they were both very small. And uh, it was what it was. You know, and you, you utilize the tools and the space that you have. And uh, once we bought our house that we have now, we definitely made it uh, kind of a, a, a goal to have a big enough house where there would be extra rooms where we could be able to spread out and have our own space. I have my own room in the house, um, really large room, not large, but a lot bigger than most people might have and it's just mine nobody comes in here this is just my room my ritual chamber for me to do my work this is where I come do my meditations this is where I come do chakra work this is where I do my rituals this is where I do everything and uh, you know it's mine and my wife also has her own um, ritual chamber or what she calls as a healing room because she's a Reiki master and that's kind of the work that she does she does a lot of energy work witchcraft, working with Santa Morte, um, tarot readings, things like this. Uh, she sees clients in her room sometimes. And uh, so she has her own space, you know, and we worked really hard to be able to, to be able to do this. So, you know, you always put that kind of in your mind if, you know, you're in a smaller space that, you know, work towards that goal in your work to eventually get to a place where, you can have a ritual place and maybe you can be uh, living alone where you don't have to worry about roommates and you don't have to worry about any of this other stuff kind of getting in the way where you, be, can, you can work freely and uh, not have to worry about it. But again, you know, sometimes you have to do what you have to do. And, you know, you can also, if you don't have a ritual space, you can take a Again, I'll call it a portable altar. You can take that with you and go out somewhere out into nature and perform your work. And my advice for this, if you're going to do that, make sure you're going someplace where people aren't going to stumble upon you. You know, you don't really want who knows what kind of people coming up on you, seeing what you're doing. You know, next thing you know, they're breaking out their phones and then they make, they're taking a video of you. And the next thing you know, you're one of those viral videos of some witch out in the woods. And, you know, who knows what part of the world you live in that can start a panic. You know, I live in a very Bible Belt area, unfortunately. 
Um, I do like it out here, but the whole Bible Belt thing is quite aggravating. And I can only imagine if I was doing something outside and some of these really religious people stumbled upon me, I'm sure it would cause all sorts of havoc and problems. Um, so, but you can do that. You know, some people even utilize a closet. Um, you know, if you're living in a smaller place and you need a ritual chamber and you have a closet that you're not using, it can be tight, it can be cramped, it can be not so convenient, or it could be convenient, depending on how you look at it, and maybe you can utilize that. Of course, you got to be careful if you're burning candles and incense in a really small closet. That's probably not um, very healthy to do. Um, but you got to, if you're really serious about this practice and you really want to do it, you will find the, the, the items that you need. You will find the altars that you'll need. You'll find a way to create these things and create these ritual chambers. You know, you just really got to dig into your imagination and and really take a look at what you have or what you don't have and figure out what would be the best way that um, I could utilize this and make it work. You know, again, when I talked about the ritual space, you know, I talked about folding partitions and curtains if you want to keep things private, um, outside nature. Um, closet basements, sheds, garages, if you happen to have one, you can, you know, maybe you got a garage, you know, you can do something out in your garage. Um, you got some type of tool shed and you can do that there um, you know see what you have and see what you think would work um, one of the things I wanted to touch on and then I'll probably close this episode out is this can be a touchy subject here but maybe you're living in a country that still persecutes people for doing this stuff and the reason why I bring this up is because I see in my analytics, in my podcast, it shows me what countries you're all listening from. Some of the countries that pop up are quite shocking because I know in those countries, you can still be persecuted for this. Now, I can't really give any advice on what you should do here because that would be irresponsible for me and I definitely don't have any authority to give anybody any any advice in that respect Um, but if you choose to go down this path and you're living in one of those countries that can persecute you for this you know you have to use your own discretion Um, you're at your own risk with that and you know what I see on the analytics some of these countries that you guys are listening from I I get concerned to be honest, you know, I 100% support that anybody, especially in some of these countries that want to investigate a different spiritual path, I think everybody has the right to do that, you know, unfortunately, you know, with religion, uh, there are still places where nothing infuriates me more than this, and I'm living in America, And so I suppose a lot of people would think that that doesn't happen here or can't happen here. Well, let me tell you something. In in ways it does, in ways it definitely can. Um, One of the concerns that I have are a lot of these kind of Christian nationalist people that want to put Christianity into law. And if they do, if if they're able, if they have the power 
there would be a theocracy smashed down on the heads of the people in this country within a blink of an eye. You would have some type of Christian version of Shira law or something. And, you know, I love it when these people uh, scream freedom all the time. These people know nothing about freedom. They don't want freedom for everybody. They just want freedom for the way that they think. And uh, these people can be dangerous. It can happen even here. And one of the examples of why I'm bringing this up also, you know, with the analytics, like I said, but the other day I was on Facebook, unfortunately. I tried to stay the hell off that crap. But um, one of the news channels had brought up um, some school around in, the, in, the, in this country, I don't know where it is, um, was trying to start a satanic after-school program. I don't know too much about what the program consists of. I don't know if it's run by a certain organization. I do know that they were interviewing um, one of the spokesmen or the leader of the uh, satanic temple, I believe it was. Um, I don't know if they're involved in it or not. I really didn't dig deep into it, but when I was reading the comments under this um, article that was posted. Of course, it was Fox News, so you got a lot of Christians and Christian nationalists on there. And some of the comments that people were writing were just absolutely alarming. You know, one guy wrote, anybody who practices Satanism should be in prison for life and the key should be thrown away and that will solve the problem. Another person wrote, anybody that's practicing Satanism um, should be hunted down and blah blah blah. <laughs> it, it it just it infuriates me that there are people that are still out there like this, especially here in America. And then these are the people that are always screaming about freedom all the time. These people don't know the first word, uh, the first meaning of the word freedom. These people are not patriots in any sense of the words. And this isn't a political rant. This is just. Somebody has to say something. Some people people have to stand up to people like that. And I get nervous when I see other people from other countries that are still going through this. Because this stuff still happens and can still happen. It can happen anywhere. You know, if these Christian nationalists here in America ever got any, any power, you would see a modern day witch hunt. Just like the Puritans did with the witch trials in Salem and out in Europe. You know, it would happen again. So if you are living in one of those countries, I, you know, really hope that you are safe and I really hope that you are very covert in this. And, uh, but I support, I support your freedom to be able to do what you feel is right for you in your spirituality and in your work for Becoming a god, self-development, self-mastery, self-deification is what we do here. And um, I love actually seeing that there are people in these countries that um, they, they don't want to swallow the shit that's just spoon-fed to them or threatened at them, even maybe by gunpoint or jail time, torture. So it's kind of a side rant there, but... You know, if you're living in one of those countries, you know, you definitely don't want anybody finding any of this stuff. So that's why I kind of brought up the whole, um, you know, you are the altar. Your mind and body and spirit are the temple. If you can do this work, it's, it's difficult. Um, 
you know, but a practitioner that's been at this for a while can do these things on the fly without an altar, without a ritual space. You know, it's something that you can do at your job, in your car, anywhere. You know, you should be able to perform a, a ritual in your mind. I've done that plenty of times. Um, don't know if I'm the best at it, but I've definitely, you know, me and my wife both have definitely have talked about this, of how we've had to utilize our practice where we are. You know, we don't have the convenience of being back here in front of our physical altars and in our physical ritual chambers. Sometimes you got to do the work right on the spot. So again, if you're living in some of these countries that can persecute you for this, keep that in mind. Nobody can take away your mind yet. Well, they try. They try with indoctrination. They try with force. They try with threats. They try with law. Um, until they invent some technology where they could just read every damn thought you have, which I'm sure that would be coming down the road in the future. Not to get all conspiracy theory or any more wacky with it, but I wouldn't be a bit surprised. I'm sure there's a lot of things that that kind of do that now, and uh, so you don't need all of this. You don't need the altar, all the tools. It's good to have a library, but again, you know, um, people come across those books and you're living in a place that could persecute you for having those books. Um, all I can say is just be covert and be careful and um, I support you. So I think that's about it for this episode. Again, this is kind of just directed towards somebody new coming into this that is trying to, you know, get some information. Um, I'm sure a lot of people that are on here, my subscribers that have been doing this for a while, this is kind of old news, but I'm really trying to gear some of my episodes um, towards the the novice, the people that are coming uh, into the practice. And... um, I really support those people that are um, giving the left-hand path, you know, whether it's the you know, Luciferian or Satanism or Egyptian Heka or vampirism, whatever the system that you that that is kind of drawing you in. Um, I support your your journey in that. So here's just a, a few um, kind of ideas on altars and ritual chambers. I got a lot of other episodes coming up. I've been working hard on so many different episodes at at different times. You know, I'm trying to focus on one, but then I start with another one, then I start with another one, and uh, I got notes and things written all over the house. So I definitely have some interesting stuff coming up. So um, thank you for listening to the Serpent Slayer podcast. If you find value in the information here please support not mandatory and until next time sekem <laughs>